This is the Inspiration Science Podcast, your guiding podcast on evolving your own science in life to holistically strive. We believe there is no general way of living and healing, but your universal way. You succeed the highest when you do you. On this podcast, we'll dive into deep conversations on mental health and aligning purpose to business for enlightening harmony in life. I'm your host, Ossin June. So hello everyone, welcome to this new podcast today. Uh, we have Prasanna in the house. Uh, he's a narrative medicine student at Columbia and also the host of the playground, uh, of the host of the playground podcast, uh, which I had the honor to be on. Today, I'm very happy to have him as a guest speaker and we'll talk about uh, different things when it comes to storytelling and embracing our inner child to fulfill our purpose. So Prasanna, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Austin? Thanks. I'm doing awesome. Well, happy to have you here. So we, you know, it would be very interesting since you're an aspiring doctor and you're right now, you know, you're doing, you are, you are now studying and what is for you the reason why you're doing what you're doing? And, you know, like, how did you find yourself like the purpose in what you do right now? Yes. So... To answer that question, the reason I'm studying to become a physician actually goes back to my childhood and it kind of connects with uh, the podcast and stuff like that. But before I tell the story, I want to tell a quote that kind of summarizes it. Steve Jobs has a quote that you can't connect the dots looking forward, you can only connect them looking backwards. So I, I'm a, I, I'm a, I do a lot of reflections, journaling, that kind of stuff, and the story that I'm about to tell I was only able to get the story because I was able to look back and connect the dots and it's true to who I am. So the reason I'm studying to become a physician is I, for me right now, my purpose is to make others feel belonged. And that has occurred to me because as a child, I kind of felt pretty lonely as a child, always like in lunch or doing recess by myself or playing by myself. And yes, I did have friends and I did make friends and very good friends at that. But I always had this feeling of loneliness. I don't know where it came from, but I always felt lonely. And because I had this feeling, I believe, I'm just a hypothesis, I believe that I was able to see when others also kind of felt a little off, a little lonely. And I was able to, I don't know what was in me, but I wanted to connect with them as a child. So this story comes very easily. It's when I think it was in kindergarten or first grade. I noticed, it, I noticed that it's a little good that this girl was sitting by herself during lunch and playing by herself during recess. So naturally what I did was I went up to her and I said, hey, my name is Prasanna, what's your name? And then we started talking and we became pretty good friends. And mm -hmm. I went to her place after school for after school play dates. We played like Godzilla video games. She came to my place and then we were pretty good friends. And then my parents, we suddenly had to move. So this was in Chicago. We moved from Chicago to California. And then this was like third grade or fourth grade around that time. And then when we moved, my parents told me that she had Down syndrome and I did not know what Down syndrome was. So I did a little research and this is still, I was like in elementary school. So I was like, okay, Down syndrome, what does that mean? I don't care. I just wanted to make her smile and make her happy. And that's kind of what I did. And then throughout middle school, high school, I always kind of, kind of came across individuals who didn't really fit into that social circle in college or in school so i'd always try to help others feel belong and that kind of brought that interest 
and intermittent Down syndrome stuff. So I think it was seventh grade summer, I went to Duke Tip, which is like Duke University. And I did a program in neuroscience and that's kind of where I fell in love with neuroscience and the study of the brain. So and that kind of like hooked me because the brain is something that we really don't know much about and it's so unknown. And I felt like an explorer trying to explore and understand how the brain functions and what dictates behavior. So that kind of connected naturally to my interest with the brain. And then I always felt like I always wanted to make other people feel belong. And that's been part of who I am, part of the reason I started the podcast too. So naturally it kind of sent, I kind of wanted a career that would be people focused, would I help my other individuals, help them achieve their goals, or help them feel belong, help them be comfortable in their own life. And that kind of naturally made me move towards or attracted to becoming a doctor. And as of right now, in this moment, I'm kind of interested in child neurology. So a doctor for children with autism, developmental disabilities, Down syndrome, ADHD, that kind of stuff, because of what I've noticed, how it could be, how it could impact other individuals during that schooling age. And I want to be an advocate for that. So that's kind of my journey with why I'm becoming a physician. It's very inspiring what you do and also how, you know, the, the dots that make sense, right? When you like look back after that and, you know, how did playfulness and storytelling played a role in you discovering your purpose and how do you see that as a help to actually help those people going through these different mental illnesses, you know, being playful and, you know, the whole storytelling part, how does that go practically seen? Yes. Yeah, so a good touch upon the playfulness first so on my podcast one of my like my main uh, slogans is one of them is rediscovery in a child and the other one I have is prioritize your own happiness over society's expectations for you so I personally believe that when you when we were children we did things because we wanted to do things we did things because they things brought us joy playing brought us joy stuff imagination creativity adventure that kind of areas brought us joy but when we start slowly starting to grow up, we kind of forget or put those things on a back burner and try to prioritize what society or our parents want us to do and what society expects from us. So that playfulness is trying to change the conversation to prioritizing your own happiness over what other people want you to do. So for me personally, that playful, that happiness comes through play. And I feel like play is such a unique, I guess, activity because in play it's creating a safe space first of all and you're able there's no limits to the imagination there's no limits to creativity and there's no limits to like what type of adventure you want to have so because there's no limits you could come up with any kind of activity in your mind and then with the friends you're playing with and it brings out joy it brings out laughs it brings out it's a game it's like playing a game and it makes it brings brings that team morale that interconnectivity as a human being to other individuals together and I think play is such a important aspect of being a human being so that's where the playing comes in and then with the storytelling so a little background information for our listeners so I am doing a master's in narrative medicine at Columbia and in my master's narrative medicine we are kind of looking at the storytelling aspects of the clinical encounter and how we could humanize the clinical encounter through doctors being better listeners and storytellers to the patient stories and addressing the patient stories. So there's a 
we could dive into that later on. So that's like the very little gist of what I'm studying in the masters. So I personally believe that storytelling also goes along with creativity, play, adventures, because these are stories we tell ourselves and how we define ourselves is through the stories we tell ourselves. So connecting both of these concepts with mental health and like kind of the idea of me becoming a doctor and helping children with autism, developmental disabilities, that kind of stuff is mm-hmm. story. Everyone deserves to play. That's like the bottom belief I have. Everyone deserves happiness. Everyone deserves joy. And I want to see more individuals who are neurodiverse being able to play and, and understand that because from the readings I read, from the research I've done, these individuals and I'm I'm speak I'm not I can't speak for them because I'm not neurodivergent so I may mess up Peel and Dale but from what I've read and what I've observed is that these individuals they they live in a system that's not really built for them and I want to help create a system or create a place where they could fully express themselves and have that acceptance so that's kind of where that playfulness attitude comes from and then storytelling is we are what just we are what stories we tell ourselves. So some within if there's an occurrence or something happens, the stories we tell ourselves about that occurrence is how we define that experience for us. And that could be in a negative or a positive way. So I would want to encourage us to tell positive stories about ourselves, look at the positive things that we've done, try to change that perspective from a negative one to a positive one. And that kind of goes along with the mental health. I don't know if that answers your question, but I kind of hit yes, all this. Absolutely. You, t- oh. you touched on so many amazing points. It is very insightful. You know, what is there any practical, you know, advice or something that people could right away implement to embrace that inner child? Because, you know, people know that or some people know the act of, you know, being playful can be very beneficial. But someone, let's say, is going through some mental illness, like really hard times or someone, you know, sometimes people are too serious, you know, and we say fun is important. But again, they're very serious in a very different state. And how would you advise, you know, like for those people to get into this, you know, discovering their inner child when they go through life pretty serious and hard, you know, and they don't do that at all? Like, how would you help them to initiate that type of thing to get into this flow? Yeah, so with mental health, everyone experiences it differently and it's going to be different for every single individual. So the, the advice I might give may not work for a certain individual may work for someone else, but that's how advice is for everyone. So regarding with rediscovering your inner child and being more playful, the what I would suggest is, okay, I, I could do this. So I, I ask a question on my podcast, which usually comes up to this idea. And it's a hypothetical question. The question I usually ask is, if you could travel back in time and meet the younger version of yourself, what advice would the younger version of yourself give you to the person you have become today? So not what advice you would give them, but what advice would he or she give you? And this little thought exercise allows an individual to put themselves back in a childhood-like perspective of the world, bring themselves back to their childhood memories. Like It takes a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes even, to bring yourself back to that perspective and see this is how I view the world as a child and what advice can I give my older self based off the mental health illness he or she may be experiencing. And just by doing this thought experiment, I think it helps begin to change the perspective. It is practical and since it takes like a couple of minutes to do this thought experiment, but 
it's going to take more than that. It's going to take repetition, repetitiveness to really heal that inner child if there is some trauma there as well. But it helps you bring that perspective, Dale. And another thing I want to say is mindfulness. I'm a very spiritual individual. I practice mindfulness and meditation. That is also has been a practical application to whenever I'm undergoing mental health issues is practicing deep breaths, mindfulness. And in, even with mindfulness, you could go back to a happy place, so like a place as a child when you would be playing or like a place where there was, for me, that's like when there's no limit to imagination, creativity, adventure, that kind of stuff. If you could go back to that place and try to bring that energy after you finish the mindfulness meditation into your current life, that's another practical application advice I could give. But but again, these advices are just bad advices. It may not work for an individual, but it might it may work for you. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, for this is actually what we do our podcast for that we have different perspectives from people, so people can again evolve their own science. I think. People need awareness, need more perspectives, so it allows them to find theirs. Um, and like for yourself, like you mentioned also like the storytelling, the story that we tell ourselves, how important that is. And when we go through life from mental illness, sufferings, and you know, different traumas that happens, the, the story we tell matters a lot, lot because it's a choice how we live. And you know, how did you change a story that you told like yourself um, in a good way that was in the past, maybe something very negative, you know, like where you caught yourself being trapped in, in a story that was not serving you, but then you switched to one that was positive for you. Like, do you have one of these examples that you could share with us? Yes, I do, actually. So I'd say around my first semester in college, I struggled through mental health. It was like, I think it was anxiety usually and comparing myself to adults. And I was not in a good mental health space. So that was pretty bad for me because I remember waking up with anxious with anxiety and then going back to sleep with anxiety. And the only time I did not experience anxiety was when I was sleeping. So it was pretty not good for my mental health. And I remember in the winter break, I kind of made a decision to kind of change that perspective. And I don't remember what I Googled, but I Googled like how to get control of one's life or something along those lines. I don't remember exactly what. And I came across this article on medium.com. And that was like my first introduction to personal development, self-help, that kind of realm. And from that day, and I have this, because from that day onward, I would write, I read a medium article and I would take notes on it and a, on a flashcard. Mm-hmm. And I would do this for the next hundred days because I have a hundred flashcards. And I do this every single day, read a Medium article about some topic and then take notes on it on my flashcard. And that kind of slowly changed my narrative, my story of how or what I would tell myself into kind of like a positive light. And I kind of looked at that negative things that happened, like that negative mental health stuff as a stepping step, like a bit of growth mindset, essentially a stepping step. Because I went to that, I am now able to read all these articles and change my perspective in life and kind of take action into who I want to be. And it kind of goes further than that. So a couple of years later, I started a workshop series at my undergrad institution. And this workshop series was called Rise Workshops. Well, I kind of taught other individuals and mentored other individuals, like freshmen and sophomores, like a junior at this time or a senior, of the tactics I learned through reading all those articles in a workshop series, so like the first week was about desire, second week was about faith, third week was about authenticity, we went to imposter syndrome, embracing failure, 
schooling versus education, like diff- life, living, like how to learn, like different types of personal development topics. I would teach a mentor, the uh, freshman and sophomore students. And before I even started mentoring, I would tell them my story. I've become vulnerable. I think vulnerability is a key here. Tell them the struggles that I went through, how this helped me. And I said, I say the same thing I said on this podcast. This may help you. This may not help you. Have an open mind. Let's see where this brings you, where this journey might bring you. And then those through those mental health practices, the mentorship, I've seen a change in my, my mentees' lives. I've seen a change lives, and it's been very impactful to them. And they told me that, and, I've, and it's been impactful to me too. So that's an instance where I kind of changed the narrative of something that's been bad for me in a sense. But the reason I changed was because I was kind of fed up with it, and I had to make a committed decision. And it was very difficult to make that committed decision to change change the narrative into a positive spin it's very difficult like it's easier said than done it takes a lot of effort mental health wise and everything it feels like you're fighting against a big wall but i say keep on going is the advice i'd give and believe in yourself yeah awesome what helped you to make this committed decision like how did you know that you were truly committed because oftentimes we say we're committed but then our actions was different and, and, you know, and it's sometimes very difficult to, you know, to really be in that being like, how, you know, how did that happen for you? It came from the gut, I'd say it came from like, it was like any decision. I say a committed decision is also like an emotional decision in a sense that it came from a deep place within me that I wanted to change. It wasn't like my brain talking, it's kind of like my heart talking in a sense. It was like, not my logic talking, it's my like my inner self saying, I'm gonna change how I view myself and make a committed decision to change. And to get to that point, I don't know how I got to that point. It was, I guess I was fed up or something, but that's just my own experience. It may be different for other individuals, but I knew it was a committed decision because it came from my heart rather than me kind of telling myself, like on the surface level, I knew that I needed to change and I knew that if I make a decision, I had to change. I knew what's good for me, like gratitude or like journaling. I knew that was all good for me, but, and I would take some action. I'd do it for like a few days and I'd stop. But I I only kind of made that decision to stay committed to it once it came from within inside me, deep inside me. And for how I knew that it came deep inside me, it just felt like it. And I don't know why it came deep inside me at that moment in time I don't know the answer to that but it just happened uh-huh. yeah that's not helpful well, I, I hear you you know it's interesting because I feel as I talk to many entrepreneurs people um, even students I feel that most people they found their purpose or they hate the things to change something when the pain is enormous you know when the pain is really hard and they cannot like bear it anymore and then they change it and then they break through that so, I mean, that's amazing to have this kind of uh, turn point of that. So now, you know, the interesting thing is you're an aspiring doctor and now you're studying medicine. So you're experiencing already, you know, a few things like theoretically, obviously, but also some things practically that you observe around you. Um, you know, as a doctor, what things would you kind of take a different approach on? Because you maybe know other doctors the way they work. And with your knowledge and with your unique approach with embracing the inner child, the creativity, is there anything that you would that you would take a different approach on as a doctor, assuming you just graduated and you you know you go and you now work as a doctor? What you know what would you do differently, uniquely in your way as a doctor? Okay, 
So to again preface this question, I haven't started medical school yet. I will be starting in a month. So this is a hypothetical question. It's like I guess four, five, ten years maybe down the line when I'm practicing physician. I already know kind of. So I'm gonna bring the narrative medicine masters what I learned in this program with me. But I think the main thing that I'm going to bring that will make me different, I guess, as a physician is mindfulness. I'll try to be a mindful doctor in the sense that I would, like, for me, mindfulness is kind of like taking it second by second and taking it very slowly and not trying to rush through the appointments or the clinical encounter. So taking the clinical encounters slowly, as much slowly as possible as I can, listening to the patient and trying to find the little joys in it. So I want to be a doctor for children, essentially, hopefully one day. So that would be like asking the child, like, how is your day? What's, what's your favorite like superhero? What TV shows do you watch? Some like small talk in that sense, because I'm also a, I'm a big Marvel fan. I like Star Wars. I'm a, I'm a big nerd in that kind of field. So trying to hopefully connect with the child in that. If not, like what's your favorite color? What's your favorite ice cream? Something like along those lines to get that sense. But I do at the one day see myself more as like an individual that my patients and their families could depend on rather than someone that they visit frequently for like a doctor's visit for my knowledge. I want to be someone who's more than someone who has knowledge about diseases and that kind of stuff. I want to be an individual who they could consider me as like a friend, like a healer or someone that they could trust. They, they could trust me in that sense, not just my knowledge, but because of my personality, my, my compassion, my empathy, that kind of stuff. So that's a distinction that I would try to bring into my practice as well. I don't know how I'm going to bring it into my practice because I haven't practiced yet, but that's kind of like the vision I have for now. And then now to medicine, try to bring that storytelling aspect into it, try to listen to the patient's story, understand that each patient has a different experience with the same disease and that that's okay. And then how that particular patient may be experiencing a certain disease and how I could be the best physician for them as possible. And taking things, I guess, mindfulness really comes to my mind, taking things slowly in that sense and try not to like rush to the questionnaires or the questions I need to ask, but really get to know my patient for now. That's kind of what I want to do as a physician. It may change, but as of now, that's what it is, yeah. Beautiful. And, you know, one of the questions um, I have in, in, in related to work and surroundings, you know, you may know people have different mental illnesses, ADHD and other chronic, you know, diseases or whatever people call that. But we also know there could be a side which could benefit them as an advantage, you know, so people kind of turn this curse that they have this kind of illness into something that actually serves them. Is there anything particular that you observed in your surroundings or that you experienced that was kind of a disadvantage but turned out to be a big advantage for you or the people you know around facing any of these illnesses? Yes. So I think this could be said with not just illnesses, but like mental health stuff and anything like that is like if, for example, you could talk with like ADHD or even anxiety, depression, or any anything that that is negative, and I'm going to it is going to be negative. You're gonna there's going to be difficulties with that. There's going to be struggles with that. And again, this is the power of storytelling and changing one's perspective. It could be seen. I wouldn't say necessarily as an advantage, but once one 
one person like goes to transformation and begins to accept accept it. I think acceptance acceptance is a big part in this. Once an individual begins to accept whatever disease they may have, then they may they are at a level where they can, if they choose to do so, use that to empower other individuals who may also have a disease and like show them what's possible or use that to their benefit if they have enough self-awareness to see how a particular illness or a particular disability or whatever may help them in their life. So that's, so first step I would say would be acceptance and being self-aware and understanding how such negative aspects like mental health, that kind of stuff can be used as a stepping stone to something greater. And this, again, I would say, goes along with a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. So a fixed mindset would be like, oh, I have this, I can't do anything about it, that kind of stuff, which is good, okay to have, but we would want to encourage that fixed mindset to make a growth mindset with an individual becomes accepting to a particular thing and sees how they could grow through it. And, and being able to grow through it, that transformation only occurs, I've noticed from my own observations at least, after one accepts that. And acceptance is a big step. And that may take years, that may take months, that may take a long time. Again, easier said than done, but acceptance is important. And then you could change that into, if you want to choose an advantage or something that you are proud of or something that you own or something that you just ignore in your life. It depends on the individual, but it could change into something that's not taking a burden on your life. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. That's, uh, that's really inspiring. I think many viewers that can relate to that. So the last question I have for you is, um, we, we always, or many people see on social media, the bright side of everything, you know, the success, the positive sides of that. And we also know behind that, there's a lot of behind the scenes work, the inner transformation work you know, for people going through hard times, and I bet you also went through some hard time struggles as well in life, what kept you going and what message would you share with other people who are right now listening to this podcast going through a hard time, mentally, emotionally? Maybe it helps, you know, if you share one of your experiences, how you kept going. Yeah, so for me, what kept me kept going was being vulnerable to my friends and people I trusted and finding a community with those who I could trust. And like, I guess vulnerability comes, so vulnerability and community are the two things I would tell individuals is having the courage to tell someone that you trust, a friend, a parent, a brother, a sister, whoever, what you're going through. And through that, building that community will, if you ever go through it again, you could fall back to that community and let them know what's happening and they could help you through that process again. And that again, takes a lot of courage, but vulnerability and community, I'd say. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Prasanna. Uh, where, can, where can actually people find you, you know, to follow you or to message you and on social media? Yes, so my podcast account is on Instagram at playground.pk, at playground.pk. And you could just shoot me a DM Dale and I'd be happy to reply and start a conversation if you're interested to do so. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Well, guys, follow Prasanna and listen to his podcast. It has a lot of value to offer, a lot of practical advice as well. And I hope this could help and inspire you as well today. Thank you, Prasanna, for coming. 
Of course. Thank you, Austin, for having me on this podcast. I'm really excited to see where this goes. And this is a great pleasure. And I had lots of fun on this podcast. And thank you for the questions. Okay, beautiful souls. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day life to untangle wisdom and abundance on all levels. If you feel connection to this audio experience, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Your Universal Way, and my personal Instagram, Osinjun, O-C-C-I-N-J-U-N. And always remember, there is no right or wrong way, just your universal way. See you next time.